Welcome to Ascending with your host, T.J. Oakley. That's me. We're going to be talking about all kinds of things in your spiritual life and growth, how we can keep moving forward, moving up, not staying where we are, but continually moving up, ascending. I'm reminded of the verse that says, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? That's the question that we're asking in these casts. That's the question that we hope that you are asking yourself. God has one desire for us to ascend. Are you ready? Let's keep ascending. And here we go. Welcome to the podcast and welcome to our live. I'm so excited to have you guys week three of beast mode. Now week one, we did Jehu. Week two, we did Benaiah. Week three, we're going to be talking about one of these characters that sometimes gets skipped over. Uh, but I, I really like to be able to take sometimes the things that, that we don't get a chance to really dig into. We don't really always get a chance uh, to, to, to hear a lot of teaching and, and extrapolation on because uh, sometimes it, when you don't have a lot of information that you can just glean from, it's easier, easier to preach on the stuff that most people know because you don't have to do a lot of the background stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I, I really like to be purposeful and intentional and in studying sometimes things that we don't always get a chance to study on. So um, I'm going to give a quick shout out to all my lady ministers and all my ladies in the faith. This week, uh, it's not specifically for you, but we're going to be talking about one of the heroines of the Bible. And so uh, if you are, are one, of those, uh, one of those women who love to hear about women in the Bible and, and how they affected not just the Bible and the Bible story, but affected history, you're going to love this. So uh, I'm so excited this week. We are going to, I'm preaching off my uh, iMac uh, or my MacBook Air. It's not an iMac, I'm being told. Um, uh, I'm preaching off that this week. So uh, if you see me look over to the right, it's because I am scrolling. If you want to go, go ahead and go to Judges chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 16. Uh, but before we get there, I want to give you just a little bit of background information, but that way you can kind of find it on your phone or your computer, or if you want to turn uh, in it there, it'll be Judges chapter 4. We're going to start in 16, so I'm going to give you just a quick synopsis of where we're at, some background information, and then we're really going to dig into this, okay? So during this time, Israel was not led by a king. This is the period of jail, okay? Uh, during this time, Israel was not led by a king. Rather, the book of Judges records that Israel would fall into sin, God would punish them for their sin by allowing outside kingdoms uh, and weather to bring hardship. The people would in turn repent and cry to God to deliver them. He would then raise up a leader or a judge, that's the book holds their title, and then the cycle would start all over again. This was the nation's cycle for generations. This was a repetitive cycle. It was indeed a cycle. Uh, Israel would, would be faithful to God's commands. They would worship. They would sacrifice. They would do all those things that uh, were, were supposed to be done. And God would reward them and he would bless them. And then complacency and compromise would roll in. They would begin to uh, worship God in, uh, in addition to these other gods. And God said, there's no other God but me. And he said, if you will be faithful to me, these are the blessings that come with that. But if you won't, I can't bless you because you're not following the agreement that we had, the covenant that we share. And so what would happen is they would begin to fall away uh, and then the Philistines, the Ammonites, uh, uh, the Jebusites, a lot of these ites uh, would begin to uh, inflict uh, uh, pain and suffering on Israel, would begin to oppress them and sometimes uh, take possessions uh, of their land, of their cities, uh, sometimes of their sons and their daughters, their homes. 
and, and it was very uncomfortable. And it was in this time that Israel would cry out and say, God, save us. He would raise a judge and would provide deliverance. And during the lifespan of that judge, Israel would experience peace and blessing because they would return back to the heart of God. But as soon as that judge would pass, Israel would fall back into the same cycle. And again and again and again, for generation and generation, this would happen. All right. Now, Israel has suffered oppression, as we find the story of Jael, has suffered oppression for 20 years. A judge named Deborah, that's right, a woman judge. I told you we're going to be talking about some heroines tonight, so my ladies, can I get a what, what? All right, anyway, I just gave away my age there. But anyway, a judge named Deborah comes on the scene and begins to judge the people and bring clarity to the will and commands of God. They are in constant conflict with the foreign king, Jabin. Our story kicks off with Deborah calling for Barak, the commander of the army of Israel, with the word of the Lord. She said, take 10,000 men and destroy the enemy general, Sisera. Barak is good to go, but only if Deborah comes with him. I find that really strange because in these times, it, it was not common for women to have a place of, of influence, uh, especially over a nation or groups of people. So th this was uh, you know, readily uncommon, especially in this area of the world and especially at this time. But yet, Barak said, look, I understand that I'm, I'm the army and I understand that, that this is not our status quo. This is not typically how things go, but I'm not going and unless you go with me. I'm not going unless you're willing to come. And that seems so strange to me that he was willing to break tradition. He was willing to break the, the, the status quo, what was common to them, and say, I'm not going unless the one who's got the word from the Lord goes with me. It's great that you're telling me to go, but I need you to go because you are in communication with him. And I think maybe there's just a small thing that we can do right there and begin to understand that sometimes God puts people in our life that we absolutely must say, I'm not going unless you go with me. Everybody is not, you are not meant to be by yourself. You can't walk this thing by yourself. If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. Now look folks, that's not, uh, that's not addition. That's multiplication. God is a God of multiplication and he needs more than one in order to make that multiplication work. So I'm just taking just that, that side detour to say, don't try to do this on your own. Find people that you can connect with. Find people that can that can uh, share your, uh, that, that can, uh, what, what am I trying to say? That can have your back, that can be with you, that can do the things with you, that can partner with you, walk alongside you, do work with you. I'm reminded of uh, when, when Peter and John uh, and all of them are out and, and Jesus said, toss your net out on the boat. Uh, and, and they pull up a catch and they call for their partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They call for their partners and they say, hey, come over here and help us. But guess what? If they don't have partners, they don't get all that Christ has provided for them. And so I'm trying to tell you, make sure that you have the right people in and around you so that you don't limit what God wants to do in your life. All right. That, that's, that's not here. We're just, that's for free. You got that for absolutely free. All right, let's keep going. All right. In fact, he refuses to go without her. She tells him, if this is your choice, know that you won't receive the honor or victory, uh, the honor of victory. Rather, it will be said that a woman delivered Israel. He's cool with that. He's like, hey, I am willing not to get the glory in order for God's will to be accomplished. Somebody can learn something right there, but I ain't got time. Uh, I, I got to go on. All right. There are some men today that would be better off making the same decision Barack made. So I, I went ahead and, and just added that while I was typing this up. Now look, 
if you are a husband, if you're a father, I'm just going to tell you, you might, you might do well to make sure that you're partnering with the women in your life because your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I ain't got time, but I'm just here to tell you, God made us uh, 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 two, two separate sexes. He made us male and female. And it was not so that we could be set at odds. It was so that we might complement and complete each other. And if you are, are, are 100% on going on your own, if the only people you can do ministry with are people that look like you, talk like you, uh, uh, walk like you, uh, uh, are like you, uh, hello somebody, come on now. We've got to get together on this thing and work together. All right, let's move forward. The two forces engage in battle. So we've got uh, the enemy general Sisera and the and, and the uh, the general of the army of Israel Barak. They clash. All right, the enemies of Israel break and flee. Israel pursues, and that's where we come to our text. Israel is tracking down this enemy this enemy force. They are on the brink of absolute victory. But in order to seal that victory, they need to find the general Sisera. That is the command of God, and that's where we get to Judges chapter 4, 16 through 24, and it says this, Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Hashereth Seth. Now look, there's a lot of words here that I don't necessarily know how to pronounce, but uh, I'm just telling you, I was told if you say it with confidence, nobody will know, okay? So uh, we're going to go with that. And all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael. Uh, it would actually be pronounced Jael, but if we can say Jacob instead of Jacob, we can say Jael instead of Yael, right? Let's go with that, okay? Uh, uh, she was the wife of Heber the Kenite because there was an alliance between Jabin the king of Hazor, who Sisera served, and the family of Heber the Kenite. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in, don't be afraid. So he entered her tent and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there, say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground and he died. Just then Barak came by in pursuit of Sisera and Jael went out to meet him. Come, she said, I will show you the man you're looking for. So he went in with her and there lay Sisera with the tent peg through his temple, dead. On that day God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed him. This is one of the wildest Bible stories to me. This is like a, 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 a biblical story of epic proportions. Uh, if, if, if you haven't seen how crazy the Bible is, like you are wasting your time watching Days of Our Lives. This is better than anything you'll find on TV. I mean, for real. You can't make this stuff up, all right? It's in here. This chick walks up and drives a tent peg through this joker's head. And I'm still sitting here trying to figure out what just happened. What just happened? There is not but one word to describe what we are seeing. Beast mode. That is exactly what we are looking at. That is the only way I know how to describe it. This woman absolutely goes beast mode and decides she is going to do the will and work of God no matter what it takes and using no matter what she has, she's going to see it done. That's beast mode. 
All right, now that's all the all the buildup. That is the background. Now comes the time to break it down. Time to break it down. Here we go. What was Barack's mistake? We read all the let up. We read Judges chapter four. What was his mistake? Disobedience. Barack's one and only mistake in this whole thing is disobedience. He is given the option of being the weapon wielded by the hand of God and decides not to. Either it was fear of not being qualified or fear of failure. In either case, the same lesson can be learned. God said, I want you to be my hand-picked weapon to deal with this enemy general. I pick you. When it comes time... When it comes time to be used by God, there is one thing that makes a difference. One thing that you have to know, and that is this. Absolute surrender is what God needs. Absolute surrender. That is the only requirement to be used by God at a level that we have not seen yet. That is your only limitation. What am I telling you? The limitation on your life is not your qualifications, abilities, social status, popularity, financial situation, how many followers you have, successes or relationships. The only thing that can hinder what God can do in and through you is the ability to surrender to God's power and plan. What if I told you you were the limitation to what God wanted to do in your life? What if I told you that the things surrounding you, the things the, the things that you think define you is not really the limitation. What if I told you your past was not the limitation? What if I told you that your imperfections were not the limitation? What if I told you that the only limitation to God moving abundantly in your life was your ability to throw your hands up and say, have your way, God? You are the only limitation. God wants to use you. God has chosen you. God has set you apart. But until you are willing to say, God, you can have it all. You throw your hands up and say, Lord, I have nothing to give you. But what I have, all that is me, you can have. He takes it. He multiplies it. He does something miraculous. And then he uses you. He uses and works through you. Your absolute surrender is what opens the floodgates of heaven for you to do something miraculous. All right, here we go. Sisera runs from Barak. He heads to a place that he believes to be empty of threats. He seeks safety in a place. He believes those equipped to defeat him will not be. Little did he know when he walked into that tent, he would not be coming back out. Listen, folks, Jael wasn't qualified to fight a general. In no way did she possess the ability to deal with a man of war. But God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. This unassuming wife was the weapon the enemy never saw coming. Mm, come on, somebody. Listen, you might not be qualified. You might not have all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed, but God doesn't need all that. He just needs you to be willing. He just needs you to be willing to stand right where you are and to trust that your circumstances are working a far higher call and a far higher purpose than what you can currently see. 
what you can currently see does not limit. It does not define. I, I'm trying to find the words. Just because you don't have what the world says, this is what you need. This checks all the boxes. This does and, and, and makes you the person that can do this and do that. No, 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 no. That's not how God works. I want to talk to somebody right here, right now. There's jail sitting in that tent. The enemy general comes in. There is a general coming on his way. She was not qualified to fight a man of war. But yet right then and there, her hand was strengthened with what she possessed. And it was by her hand that a nation was delivered. Let's go back and read it. Her circumstances positioned her for her purpose. You don't have to make sense of it. You don't have to understand it. What you need to do is let go and let God and stop trying to, to, uh, to rebuke what is coming into your life. Spread your arms wide open and say, God, if it be your will, let it strengthen and prepare me and set me up for the work that you're going to do right in this moment. I'm here to tell somebody what, what seems to have come to destroy you. What seems to have come to limit you, what seems to have come to hold you back, was never meant to hold you back. It was never meant to define you. It was meant for you to bring deliverance. It was meant for God to show himself strong. He is positioning your life. Well, I'm getting too excited on a Monday night. Barak went into that tent because he saw no threat. He didn't see what was a necessary implement of death. He saw no weapon or warrior, but what resided in jail's house was enough to do the job. Listen, somebody, you don't have to preach like them. You don't have to pray like them. You don't have to sing like them. You don't have to walk like them, talk like them, be like them, look like them. You don't have to be with those people. You don't have to do it a certain way. What is in your house is enough to bring you victory. What already is in your possession is the exact tool that God wants to use in a very specific moment. He is positioning and strengthening and has already given you everything that you need in order to be successful in your spiritual life. He has already given you everything that is required for you to do the absolute maximum damage to the gates of hell. Hell is afraid of you. Isn't that good news? Alright. Don't let comparison keep you from the task at hand. What you possess is enough to do all that God called you to. It may only be a tent peg and a hammer, but it's exactly what God needs. God doesn't need you to be something more. God doesn't need you to be something else. God just needs you to be what He created you to be. He needs you to be true to yourself. He comes looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. If you will worship Him just like you are, if you'll worship Him just the way that you came, He doesn't want you to pretend. God can't bless who you pretend to be. He blesses who you are. He blesses you where you're at, and He doesn't need you to be anywhere else. He doesn't need you to lie to Him. You come to Him just like you are, and He will bless your hand. Hey, yes. Can somebody say amen? Now listen to me. Listen to me. David had a rock. Moses had a staff. Gideon had 300 men. Paul had a call. Jesus had a cross. God loves to make the impossible 
possible. He doesn't need you to have anything specific. If it's nothing but a hammer and a tent peg, he will use you in a miraculous way. If it was Moses, all he needed was the staff. There was nothing special about the staff. What was special about it? It was that God said... It's in your hand. And because I chose you, what is in your hand is exactly what I'm going to bless. Well, all right. God loves to make the impossible possible. It might seem impossible, but with God, that's all you need. All right. At this time, no one knows who Jael is. Why? Because she has been hidden in the tent. We all want the spotlight. We all want to be appreciated and seen for what we do and who we are. But what if God is hiding you for a specific time and season? You might think it's a bad thing to be unknown. You are ready to be seen. But what if you are the secret weapon God is fixing to use as the instrument of the enemy's defeat? Don't rush out of the tent. Wait. Then go beast mode. Listen, somebody. You are God's secret weapon. You may think nobody sees you. You may think nobody knows you. But you are known by the one that matters. It doesn't matter if they know your name. It doesn't matter if they know your call. It doesn't matter if they see your gift. All that matters is that you are known by the one who flung stars into existence. You are known by the one who knows the name that is only his to give you. Oh, he, he knows you by your earthly name. But you've been given a name that only he and you know. And he will reveal it to you when you get to the other side of eternity. And he says, welcome in my good and faithful servant. He hands it to you and he says, this is your real name. Because he He is only the one. He is the only one who can identify you. He is the only one that truly knows who you are and what he created you to be. It doesn't matter what somebody else called you. Your past does not define you. That is a temporary thing in your life. God called you. God blessed you. And he is strengthening you right now. But you might just be hidden in a tent on purpose because God is bringing you a battle that only you can win in that tent. Mm-hmm. If jail had left the tent, where would the victory have been? Oh my God, we need somebody to go beast mode in the tent. Well, if jail had not been in the tent, victory would have never taken place. Don't come out of your tent before God has done the work He purposed to take place in there. Listen, somebody, if you run out of that tent too early, you are missing the work that God wants to do in and through your life. He wants to use you as a weapon. But if you run out before He's through, you may miss the opportunity to be the chosen vessel of God in that time and place. If you're not there, when God brings the circumstance that He's been building to bring you out and make you known, if you miss your Goliath appointment, and you never are there in that valley of Allah who will stand and who will fight. God's got you positioned. He's got you exactly where He wants you. Stay faithful in the tent. I want to tell somebody, your obedience to the secrecy of the tent will determine what you possess when you finally leave it. Mm. Your ability to stay faithful in the tent will directly influence what you possess when you walk back out of it. If you want all that God has for you, stay in the tent. 
Stay in the secret place. Stay in that place where he called you. Be faithful where you're at and let him bring it to you. He has chosen you. He's called you. That's not a question. The question is, will you be surrendered to the secrecy of the tent? Keep serving in your secrecy. Keep doing what's right in front of you. Nothing is insignificant. I'm going to say it again. Rewind. Nothing is insignificant. One more time. Nothing is insignificant. God wants to do something great in your life, but it might be the small things that you're doing right now that God will use to do something great later. Keep doing what's right in front of you. Keep doing what's right in front of you. Keep obeying God and pursuing Him. You will be glad you served when you see the victory God is setting you up for. God is not setting you up for defeat. He's not setting you up for a a small blessing. He is setting you up where He can throw open the windows of heaven so that you cannot contain it. But you first, you first must stay faithful and stay serving in the secret place. Now, why was Jael able to bring victory and Barak was not? Availability. Availability. God doesn't need the best person for the job. That was Barak. He was the general. He led the men of war. He was the one that was in position or that the world saw was positioned to defeat the general. But yet, that's not who God chose. That is not who God chose. God chose that little wife sitting in a tent with nothing more than a a, a wineskin of milk, a blanket, a tent peg, and a hammer. That's who brought the victory. That's who God used. He's not looking for the person for the job. He's uh, He's looking for the person willing to do the job. He doesn't even go looking for the person that he would consider to be the perfect fit. No, he just needs an open vessel. He needs someone that's available. Now, the question might be, how do I make sure I'm available? Your availability runs parallel with your relatability. If you want to be used by God, you must have yourself in relationship that puts you in a place to hear Him and open to the moment of His Spirit. What am I trying to say? God can only... Let me rephrase it. You can only be as available as your relationship with Him lets you be. If you are not in relationship with Him where you can hear His voice and feel His call, where you feel His pull, where the Spirit begins to push you, pull you, move you from one thing, call you into a place of prayer and of fasting, call you into that moment where God says, go pray with them. I know you're in Walmart. I know you're in the Dollar General. I know that you're in a church and they don't know that they don't know you. I know that you're not the pastor, but I need you to listen to what I'm saying and go pray with them. If you are not in that kind of relationship, you cannot be available. Okay, come on. It's time to go beast mode. Stay submitted to the secrecy of the tent. Don't be afraid to use what is in your hand. Don't compare what you possess to anyone or anything. What you have is enough. Stay in His presence. Let Him lead you. He will tell you when to step out and strike and when it's And when it's time, 
then you will have to hear God say, now. And when God says, now, don't hesitate. Go be smote. God's going to tell you when it's your time to go. God's going to tell you when He's ready to use you. Nobody likes the tent. Nobody likes the secrecy. Everybody... Mm. People are going to talk about you while you're in the tent. Somebody's going to badmouth you because you're in the tent. People aren't going to understand that, yes, you're following God. Yes, you're obeying His call. Yes, you were doing exactly what He purposed you to do. You, mm, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to, to get the wording right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to obey the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I want somebody to understand. Let them talk if they want to. Let them badmouth you if they want to. Let them try to goad you and pull you. Don't let anybody pull you out of that place where God placed you. Don't you let anybody try to convince you that because God is not using you this way, that way, or because God is not doing what, what you said He was going to do in your life, don't you let anybody move you from where you currently stand. You stand there in that tent and you say this is where God placed me he's not told me to come out he's not told me to leave this place I believe that God's not done and if he placed in this tent I'm going to take this hammer and I'm going to take this peg and I, I don't know what it's going to be used for but I'm going to make sure that I am found standing here in the place that he placed me being ready for the work that comes and I don't know how it's going to happen but I'm choosing to believe that this peg and this hammer is all I need to do what God called me to do Stay faithful. Don't you leave. Don't you run. Don't step out. Don't get ahead of God. Let Him do the miraculous work that He's placed before you. It may seem simple. It may seem like nothing. It may leave you with more questions than answers. But let God use you in the place that He placed you because He did not place you there on an accident. He's not forgotten you. He has not placed you there to keep you quiet. He's not said, no, I changed my mind about using you. I changed my mind. Yes, I begin to speak these things to you, but maybe you misunderstood. That is not the voice of God. It is the voice of enemy trying to take you out of the place of ambush. It's the enemy trying to make sure that he doesn't have anybody to worry about because he understands that when God places somebody, he may not know how, he may not know why, but you were put there on purpose because what God is doing is he's setting up somebody that, that the devil cannot see, that you're enemy he might not understand but he just simply knows you're there I am really trying to help somebody right here right now it might not be the pulpit it might not be the job that you saw it might not be the place that you felt God call you to but God is telling you if you'll just hold on and stay faithful in the tent if you'll hold on and grab that peg and grab that hammer because I've got a work for you to do I just hadn't brought you the victory yet I hadn't brought you the action that's going to take you into the next level of glory. Mm, I've got something coming. I've got something coming that's going to prove to the nation. That's going to prove to everybody that put their mouth on you. See, when I'm done, only they'll be able to say, only God can make this happen. They're going to look at you and say, he wasn't, they, they, they weren't taught with hands of war. There's no way that they could have killed a general. Why? Because they were not another general. They were not a man of war. They were not a woman of war. They were not properly equipped. But because God set them up. 
God, somehow, some way, you have to say, look what the Lord has done through their life and by their hand. And in that moment, God begins to put His seal on you and says, you couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They didn't need your validation because they had my hand on their life. That was all they needed. And God begins to show to the world, one, that He called you, two, that He blessed you. But what He wants to do in your life is prove to the world that if there's one person that will surrender their life to Jesus Christ and do what nobody else wants to do, that He can do something miraculous even with the mundane things. He can do something miraculous in the everyday stuff. He can do the miraculous with things that never should have been equipped to do that. Why? Because He's God and all He needs is a willing vessel. Oh, I wish somebody would get this. I've got to calm down and I've got to go. But before I leave, I want to give somebody the hope of glory. I want to give somebody the prophetic word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That just because you might be standing in a tent, just because you might only have a peg and a hammer, just because somebody doesn't know your name, just because you are not positioned the way the world thinks you should be positioned, that does not limit what God can do on your life. It does not stop Him from doing something so powerful that all the world must gather around and say God is great and God is glorious and if he can do it with them he can do it with me I feel the Holy Ghost somebody needs to know that God doesn't need all this stuff that you think he needs you don't have to try to build your life a certain way or learn this or learn that or go here or go there you're going to be glad you stayed right where you're at because God's going to bring you victory and not just for you what you need is in your already in your possession it's in your house stay faithful to what God gave you Woo! I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to wrap this up. We're about to go beast mode. We're about to go beast mode. God's got a call on your life. He's blessed you. He's chosen you. He wants to do a work in your life. And I promise you that if you will let God, if you will let God speak with you, commune with you, if you will stay in relationship Consume the word. Push away the plate. Spend your time in prayer. Let God begin to work in and around your life. There is a miraculous work that God wants to do through you. Yes, you. I don't care who you are on the other side of this camera or listening to the other side of this podcast. I need you to know that God built you. That he chose you. When he looked at the earth and said, I need a person that will go at this time, at this season and I'm going to build and purpose them to accomplish my will in that family, in that city, in that community. When he knew that, when he chose that, he chose you. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. Somebody might not have known you were coming, but God did. Your parents might not have ever thought that you were coming, but God already knew. And He specifically positioned you in that place. And it might be a tent on the backside of who knows where. And you're standing there trying to understand why, God, why. It's because He needs somebody to ambush the enemy in a place that the enemy thinks He owns. But God said, The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. And I'm going to put somebody in that strategic place to bring the enemy to his knees and put it to an end right then and there. I have got to stop preaching. But I want to tell somebody, you 
You don't have to earn any more qualification. God chose you. Stop looking to somebody else to validate you. God chose you. You don't have to have somebody put their stamp of approval and sign on the dotted line and say, yes, I have approved them because God already on the bloodshed banner of Jesus Christ said through this blood, I sign my name. I take ownership of that person. You may not want them. But I do. If nobody else wants them, I'll take them and I'll make them the deliverance of a nation. Well, I I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Somebody right now is starting to get it. Somebody right now is starting to say, if he can do it for them, he can do it for me. Yes. Yes, honey. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. If he can do it for anybody else. He can do it for you. There is no limit to what God can do in your life. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you're at. And I don't care where you're going. I don't care if you just crawled out of that bed with that person. I don't care if you if you just pulled the needle out of your arm. I don't care if you just rolled out of the bar. I don't care if you're still drunk in two seconds through the power of the Holy Spirit. God can sober you up, bring you to your knees, wash you white as snow through the red blood of Jesus Christ. There is a God that loves your soul more than you can ever know. I got to go. I got to stop. Be encouraged tonight. It's time to go beast mode. It's time to go beast mode. If God can use anybody, He can use you. If He can use me, He can use you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that your spirit go through this piece of technology, that it go through the podcast, that it go through His phone, that it goes exactly where it's meant to go. Father, right now, in the mighty and miraculous name of Jesus, God, begin to work a miracle in somebody's mind. Let them think differently. God, touch somebody's eyes that they see their situation differently than they did this morning. God, let them see their situation differently than they did five minutes ago. Let them look at that and say, you know what? I thought it was just a tent peg and a hammer, but now I see that it is the divine weapon of God for this time and this season. God, be faithful to someone. Let somebody grab hold of this. Let somebody bow their knee and say, God, if it's in this tent that you've placed me, and if it's this peg and this hammer that you've given me. I will remain faithful because I know that there's a work that you have for me to do. Lord, right now, do a miraculous work in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Friend, I want you to know that I love you that God loves you, that there is a better and brighter future for you, and that at any time, if you so choose, you can go beast mode. The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. There is not an enemy that can stop you. I want you to go with God. Go beast mode. Make hell pay dearly for everything that they have done. They have wrought evil on this world, but God is raising up a generation and a people to say no more. We will not watch our sons and daughters go to hell any longer. We will not watch this nation, this world be confused about who God is. We will stand. We will fight. We will stand in behalf of those that cannot fight for themselves. That is you people of God. Let us fight. Let us contend for the faith. Every soul is precious. Red, yellow, black, white, rich, poor, homosexual, the drug addict. It doesn't matter. They're all loved by the presence of God and He wants you to know who He is. I want you to be blessed. Keep ascending. Be blessed, people of God.